0: Hello people's and welcome to Esoterica Cinema, the podcast where we take films from the cinematic multiverse and discuss the hell out of them. My name is Jason Peters and I am here with you for another patented five-minute review. I got five minute review. Today's film is And Justice for All, released in 1979, written by Valerie Curtin and Barry Levinson, yes, the Barry Levinson, and directed by Norman Jewison. The film also stars the great Al Pacino and was distributed by Columbia Pictures, made $33 million on a budget of just four. That's right, $4 million. So nice little return for Columbia Pictures. Description from Letterboxd as follows. An ethical Baltimore defense lawyer, disgusted with rampant legal corruption, is forced to defend a judge he despises in a rape trial under the threat Of being disbarred. I move for a bad court thingy. You mean a mistrial? Yeah. That's why you're the judge and I'm the law talking guy. Now, I got to tell you, I was really looking forward to this one. I love what I've seen of Norman Jewison, which is Papillon, Cincinnati Kid, and Moonstruck. Probably in that order of best to least favorite, but still very, very good. Moonstruck is a great film. And Al Pacino is one of my all-time favorite actors, so you throw in a screenplay from Barry Levinson, and this film really should have been good. It should have been great. And for me, it just did not work. First of all, if we're going to use the metaphor that film is a stew, I can absolutely say that none of these ingredients belong together at all. So we've got Al Pacino playing our protagonist, Arthur Kirkland, and while he's always watchable, It's an interestingly low-key performance for somebody who is usually known for just screaming his head off, right? But he hasn't always been that. If you go back to earlier in his career, you look at The Godfather, you look at this film, a few other ones. He actually played very low-key, quiet, almost like shy characters to a degree. And even when he's not ranting his head off, he's still always very watchable. He's got a very natural charisma it shines through on screen, whether you're talking young Pacino or old Pacino, he's always going to show up to play. Very rarely does do I feel like he walks through his performances. And really, I think where the trouble lies in this film is just the screenplay. Like, we don't really get a chance to know who Arthur is. Arthur spends so much time responding to other people. I mean, I think he's, you know, a relatively good lawyer in that he's Always there for his clients. He seems to be working very hard on their behalf. He's definitely got a strong moral compass as far as that's concerned. And yet we really don't get a strong sense of who he is and what he's about. Besides just, oh, I'm tired with the law. The law is corrupt. Like, you know, he just seems weathered and beaten down and that's great. But if all you are is weathered and beaten down the entire time, it's hard to sort of drive a movie forward that way. You're, you're kind of left to say that it's really ultimately sort of a one note character and a one note performance. And that's odd coming from someone as great as Al Pacino. As far as Jewison's direction, I do feel like he sort of walked through this movie. It feels competent enough to get the job done, but nothing spectacular. And I think the same could be said for the photography by Victor Kemper. And this is a guy who shot some 70s classics like Slapshot and Pacino's own Dog Day Afternoon. He wants to kill me so bad he can taste it. Oh God, I was going to kill him. Erica! Erica! it's also got this very sort of breezy jazzy score that often seems at odds with what should be some very serious subject matter and that's not to mention some downright slapsticky scenes I'm thinking of this one in particular that involves a judge taking Arthur on a helicopter ride that might as well well have the like Benny Hill like da, 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 da. <laughs> You know that music, right? Like it's it's very ridiculous and it seems totally out of place for this film, especially. And I'm sure it sounds to you out of place for a film that has the description that I read to you at the top of this episode. And to say nothing of the tone for the plot, the film meanders for well over an hour trying to find some semblance of story or something else to, to fill in the gaps here. I don't know why it didn't just want to lean into this whole rape trial with this judge. I think that there's a lot of meat on that bone. John Grisham certainly could have done something with that. But Levinson, he just, and Curtin, obviously, let's make sure it was co-written by the both of them. I feel like they just weren't really sure what this film was going to be about. And it took them half the screenplay to figure it out. I mean, Arthur isn't even approached to defend the judge until over an hour into the film. about Probably about an hour and ten. And he doesn't agree to take it until an hour and thirty. So the film is three quarters of the way over by the time he agrees to take on this case. Which is just an absolutely insane idea for me to wrap my head around structurally. I don't know why this film was nominated for screenplay. I think it might have even won. I I, I, I don't get it. The third act is when we finally do get some scenes in the courtroom, which I was kind of thinking we would spend the whole or at least half the movie in the courtroom. And it literally involves nothing more than two opening statements. One from either side. No examination, no cross-examination, no finishing arguments, nothing. Prosecutor makes his opening statement... Defender or Al Pacino or Arthur Kirkland, he makes his opening statement and then it's over because of the way that he makes his opening statement. And in case you were wondering, I I did not know this, this is kind of where that infamous quote you're out of order! The whole system's out of order! This trial's out of order! That, you know, that scene? You're out of order! You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! They're out of order! It's unfortunate to say, but at the end of the day, it, this is a lazy film that doesn't really know what it wants to be, and it spends half the film trying to figure it out. It was made by some talented individuals, and as such, it's a passable viewing experience, but just barely, and the film doesn't really have a lot to offer. As a matter of fact, several moments that should have been powerful and resonant are just skipped over. They're not even given attention. And I don't believe this was an artistic decision the way that someone like Ozu from Tokyo Story would have made. No, this just feels like for whatever reason, they did not make the wise creative decision here and just didn't think it would be interesting and decided to focus on some other stuff that really just didn't work for me. Three adjectives for you, lazy, aimless, and flat, all resulting in two and a quarter stars out of five For and justice for all. So I think you can skip this one. Maybe watch it once to cross it off your list because it is kind of held in a higher esteem, but this one didn't work for me. Do want to go ahead and remind you that you can hit us up on the socials at Esoterica Cinema on Instagram and Twitter. You can also send us an email, esotericacinema at gmail.com. And then, of course, you can call and leave a message on our hotline. We would love to get your message on the air. You can do so at 818-483-6285. And then, of course, we have all of our episodes for you ready to listen to on the website, EsotericaCinema.com, in addition to a lot of other fun features. Thank you so much for listening and joining me here today. This is Jason Peters for Esoterica Cinema. Enjoy the movies.